melding of the two worlds of philanthropy and entrepreneurship into one. I set out on a journey to um, and really reinvented my entrepreneurial career to prove to the world that you can make a difference and a profit at the same time. Hello and welcome to Brand Therapy. I'm Lauren. <laughs> and I'm Phil. Isn't saying that part the worst? We no, need to I switch actually our kind script. of like it. Oh, okay. I actually kind of like it. Well, Maybe we I'll have definitely... We've definitely, oh we've definitely switched things up today for good. Oh, oh how about that for a segue? I am impressed. Bravo, my friend. Now, since you're in charge of this episode, please elaborate on the segue that I threw at you. Today, our guest is not only is he a client of ours, but he's a really He's a savvy businessman, and he's really focused on not only being good at business, but doing good for the world. Our guest, Brent, it has built businesses from scratch and made so much success in his lifetime. But everything that he does is thinking about the world around him. And part of his area of expertise is guiding entrepreneurs and businesses so that they can make business decisions that also have a philanthropic twist. Wouldn't you say, yes. Phil? Yes, exactly. And that is a perspective that is, well, at least it's new to me. And that's why I was so excited to have him on to not talk at a high level how companies can be more charitable. We all know we can and we should be. But how in more smaller steps, more tangible ways, it's something we can integrate day to day to become better. That's what I love about this conversation with Brent. Yeah. And I think that people who are feeling like uninspired with their brand or feel like they're kind of in a business rut will find this episode very invigorating because it'll help you find a greater purpose for your business. 100%. Well, should we do it? Since you're in charge, I'll let you decide. Should we do it? Should we listen? Let's start our episode with Brent. <laughs> I was inspired by you. Okay, let's do it. I am super happy to have my new and dear new friend, Brent, on the phone. Brent, hello. You are in San Francisco, if I'm going to guess. San Francisco. Yes, that's right. Sunny San Francisco. Well, right okay, here. don't... Yeah, I was going to say, don't brag because I'm in rainy London. It's like, I feel like any kind of moment of sun, I'm like, should stand by the window and just stare up into the sky and just like <laughs> relish the moment. Speaking of sunshine, get ready for this segue. When you and I connected on the phone for the first time, which was only a few weeks ago, you were that little ray of sunshine. I thought we went on to this phone call and we didn't even, I love that we both were the same. We didn't get on the phone to like accomplish something, a business deal, a particular like negotiation. It was none of that. It was a dear friend, a mutual friend, actually, that Lauren is great friends with as well. Our friend Dom said, you guys need to meet and talk. And that's what we did. And I said to you, we need you on this podcast because in a matter of minutes, you inspired me to take inventory of my business and go, what am I doing beyond generating business and keeping clients happy and doing a job that I love that's good for me, but what am I doing in my business that's good for other people? That was a serious point of inspiration for me. So that's the conversation I want to have with you today, how we can do good without having to spend millions of dollars in order to accomplish it. We're not Tom's shoes. So what are, you know, ways we can get creative with this? How does that sound? That sounds awesome. And, and thank you for the kind words. Yeah, I, I agree. It was wonderful chatting and 
honored to be on the podcast today. So thanks for having me. Well, I want to kind of just tell people a very short version of your journey that has landed you in this moment of realizing that it's not just about money. Can you kind of just take us on a very brief version of that journey, how you've arrived at this moment now, knowing that it's not just about money? And a lot of entrepreneurs seem to focus on that, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, money is important, right? It makes the world go round. But we get caught up in such a chase for money for its own sake that oftentimes we forget um, why we're doing that. And so, you know, in my journey, it started uh, when I lost my mom to cancer uh, when I was about six and a half years old and kind of had my world shook out of a, as a young kid um, that every day is, is a gift and we're not promised a destination, right? Um, and so the journey really matters. Fast forward to my entrepreneurial career. I started my first business at the age of 21 and I was graduating college with a ton of student loan debt, which a lot of people can resonate with these days. And I had always done philanthropy work on the side with like the American Cancer Society and was really passionate about um, giving back and teaching and helping mentor kids and things like that. And then I had this penchant to start businesses. And those two worlds were separate. Uh, and it's kind of traditionally how we've had that world uh, be. You have the business world and then you have the philanthropy world, the nonprofit world. And those, you know, are, are kind of at odds. And um, a lot of people have taken the kind of old school model of make a ton of money, then give back and use it as just just a tax deduction and uh, reduce your taxes and things like that. Or even if there is an altruistic motive behind it, it's been kind of a separate thing. And in my entrepreneurial journey, my first company, I chased the money. Uh, it was a commodities trading business. And long story short, made a ton of money, then lost a ton of money and realized that in the money-making process, that it was a pretty hollow, empty experience when I achieved the quote-unquote success. And then when I looked around at all the successful people that had all the money, I realized they were pretty unhappy humans and pretty bad humans too, actually. And uh, they had all the physical things and the toys and planes and yachts and millions and millions of dollars, but they didn't have the one thing that mattered to me, which was which was happiness and a sense of purpose. And so the global financial crisis killed that business. And I had the opportunity through failure to reinvent myself. And I jumped into the digital marketing world. And I had met the founder of Tom's when he started, Blake Mikowski, when I was in college and was always inspired by this melding of the two worlds of philanthropy and entrepreneurship into one. I set out on a journey to um, and really reinvented my entrepreneurial career to prove to the world that you can make a difference and a profit at the same time. Those two don't have to be mutually exclusive. You don't have to pillage resources and people and take advantage of things to make a ton of money and then hope one day you can be a philanthropist and give back. But rather, you can do good along the way in the journey. So I launched an online marketplace platform for those brands, um, built that up, learned a lot. And now I run a digital marketing incubator for online subscription brands, where we focus on helping these brands grow and scale their businesses online and integrate social good into what they do. We call it embedding cause into your cogs. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of the high level. Beautiful. Let's talk about embedding cause in your cogs at a level that feels approachable for a small business or an entrepreneur just getting started out, there is this kind of, maybe it's a myth that you have to be making lots of money to give lots of money back. So let us let me let me give you the challenge of a business that makes no more than $300,000 a year, super small business. What are some things that they could start doing to 
give back for good? Great question. So first and foremost, it starts with the founder. If they're passionate about what the cause is that they want to integrate, and um, that really, it has to be authentic because consumers sniff out if it's just for marketing or if it's uh, an authentic ploy to get attention. And so first and foremost, it starts with an authentic desire to use your business to create social change. Millennials, especially these days in Gen Z, um, it is part of their consumer buying behavior. So it's not just a nice to have to make you feel good as a business owner, but it actually drives consumer purchases. And there's been tons of studies done where about 95% of millennials when presented with two products of equal value and service, and one has a cause, they'll, they'll choose the cause-oriented one. So it's not just uh, good for the world, it's good for business as well, um, and it has to be authentic. So the way that I would describe the integration for a small business is look at what you're passionate about as a founder, what you believe in and want to make a difference in, and then look at your business. And hopefully there's continuity between what you're passionate about and what your business does. So for example, if you run a food company, let's say you run a local restaurant or something like that, and let's say you're really passionate about cancer research, right? And those two can seem um, at odds, right? But one of the ways that you can do it is you could say, well, maybe there's a way for us to once a week or once a month be able to donate meals to people who are going through chemotherapy or people or help families who have just lost a loved one from cancer. There could be local organizations that you can partner with to volunteer your time, your skills, and your resources to help give back. Another way that people can do it in that scenario is they could say, well, you know, I am passionate about cancer, but that feels like there's a disconnect between our product and what we want to do. I don't know how many people know, but there's a really big problem in the U.S. around hunger, what they call food insecurity. Um, over 40 million Americans, I believe, every year go hungry. 20 million of those are being kids. And uh, Feeding America, the largest nonprofit food organization, um, for every dollar that is donated, they're able to provide about 10 meals, right? Um, they're so efficient in their distribution that it, every dollar goes a really long way. So another way that an organization could do it is they could say, hey, for every meal we sell at our restaurant, we're going to donate a dollar to Feeding America, and that could provide 10 meals to those in need. These are audited financials. You could say, well, how does, you know, how does that make sense that you know, 10, 10 cents can actually provide a meal? It's audited by the IRS on their website. They're that uh, efficient with their impact. And so there are multiple ways to integrate cause into your service based upon what type of business you have. But the most important thing is that it has to make financial sense for you and the business because if you give too much of your profits, give too much of your service, uh, you're not focused on the core engine of your business, uh, it's going to become burdensome. And so what we highly recommend is integrating the cause in a sustainable way just like you can't sell your product without sourcing materials or in the restaurant's case, without buying ingredients, you couldn't sell your product without having this be a part of it. It should be a part of your cost of goods sold. So as you scale the for-profit side of your business, so does your impact. And another great way for everybody to do this in a really turnkey manner, um, there's an organization in Los Angeles called Pledgeling. And what Pledgeling does is they create the nonprofit partnerships on the back end, help you do the research for the unit impact of how much a dollar, 25 cents could make in terms of impact with the organization, and then do the accountability tracking. And they do all of the social good behind brands like Evite and Discovery Channel and Tinder and a bunch of others, um, as well as a bunch of small brands. And they are really turnkey method to, to integrating this for small businesses. Wow. 
What a cool business. That's really cool. I didn't know about them. This is really cool. I'm on their website right now and it's super impressive and just easy to understand. It's turnkey and this used to be something that we did manually for many years and a lot of companies struggled with. And uh, and Pledgeling has been a um, they're a totally disruptive model to allow small businesses to be able to um, at the literally turnkey integrate impact into their businesses. I have a question about that kind of that line that you mentioned about making sure that it's financially sustainable when you're trying to do good. So if you're like a lot of our listeners are recent graduates, like I've got a graphic designer in mind right now while I ask this. And this graphic designer graduated about three years ago, and he's really not sure where his next dollars coming from. He's doing well enough to, to, you know, pay the bills and make rent and save a little bit, but he works a lot because he doesn't really know where the money's coming from next. So in that circumstance, like where do you draw that line and how would this designer know when it's time to do good or integrate good acts into his work? So I think that's a great question. I think the most important thing is, is that you don't want to integrate it in a way that doesn't allow you to pay bills and or is not something that you don't want to force anyone to integrate. But if they're passionate about a cause and a concept and want to use their business to create impact, integrating it from the beginning is actually the best and easiest way to do it because it just becomes a part of who you are, what your service is, and how customers know you. And it actually can become a competitive advantage. It can become the reason why behind people uh, hire you. It could be the mouthpiece that they use to talk about your product and service to other people. And it's just a, a part of who you are and what you're building as a brand. So I always recommend if it's authentic and something that they believe in and are passionate about, that they integrate it as soon as they can in a sustainable way. And so for this graphic designer, it could be a $10 donation. It could be a $100 donation. It could be his time, right? It could be, it, it really depends on uh, the individual circumstance. The sustainable side of it is, to be clear, what we're talking about is harnessing a for-profit business model to create social impact and embedding the cause into that business model. So as you scale your core business, so does your social impact. And it's not this dual process of having to manage both. It's you're scaling the for-profit side of the business, and so does your social impact because it's embedded into what you do. And so if right. I love it, that's the key. That's a mindset almost, right? Like, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm, I'm, I'm now connecting the dots. It's a mindset. It's not, this is an optional thing that I'm doing on the side because I'm nice and because I'm passionate and because it's important to me. It needs to be equal, equal in your mind with, I need to make money to pay the bills, to pay my employees. You can't strip it out. Yeah. So the way that I describe it, Phil, is, is you have cause marketing, which is very important and does a lot of good, right? Cause marketing is like Breast Cancer Awareness Month, right? Which, um, you know, everything turns pink and focus on Susan G. Komen and other great organizations. But breast cancer doesn't go away after October, right? right. And marketing, uh, cause marketing, again, does a lot of good, but has flight dates, beginning and end dates of when the campaigns start and end. Cause integration you build in the social good into the DNA and culture and product of your business. It's who you are. You can't be what your what your brand is without it. Tom is the primary example. Patagonia is another fantastic example of this, 
right? If you take away the environmental focus from the Patagonia brand, it is not Patagonia. And, and that's what we're talking about. It's about building it into the DNA and the culture of your core product or service and business. And because as you grow in scale, especially if you take on investors and all that kind of stuff, it's very, it, it'd be very easy to say, oh, times are tough. We got to strip this out and, you know, we'll, we'll do that when we can afford it. We have to focus on the business first. But when you build it into the DNA of the company, you can't strip it out. It is who you are. It is what you're doing. And it's just as important as buying your materials to sell your products. And that's why it has to be sustainable financially, right? I love it. I love it. Are there any examples that you've personally been part of where you've seen this mindset of social responsibility transform and improve the overall business? Yeah. So I think it's really important to understand when we, when I was running my marketplace for social good brands, we had a thousand brands under management. And the thing that I can tell you is that people won't buy just for social good. They need to, they're first going to want to buy a product that they love and want and that they can afford and that is attractive to them. The social good becomes kind of what keeps them coming back and builds the brand affinity. But it's not the reason why they buy. And so when we, one of the brands I'm a co-founder of is a brand called Yoga Club, which is women's athletic athleisure apparel subscription, right? And for uh, about $79, $80 a month or per quarter, you get a full brand name outfit, three items delivered to your doorstep if you're uh, a woman. Whereas like one pair of yoga pants at the retail costs you $100, $120, you get this awesome stuff delivered to your door curated for your personal style. And when we were starting this brand, I was really focused on how can we use this subscription recurring revenue business model that we knew women would love um, and deliver a high quality product to also create social impact that was authentic with the brand and the mission. And what we did is we integrated a, uh, we donate a yoga class and meditation class basically to low income at risk elementary school kids for every box that we ship. And we partnered with Pledgeling to help us with this. And we work with an organization in Los Angeles called LA's Best. And we provide both financial as well as uh, uh, resources and uh, curriculum team, uh, all of that, and uh, physically go into the schools to teach meditation and yoga to basically like eight, nine, and 10-year-olds who are in pretty tough, challenging circumstances in after-school programs. And we've, we've been able to donate over a couple hundred thousand classes worth um, and helping them build out their curriculum. And so what that's doing is it's taking the core mission of the brand. For every box we sell, another class gets donated. And so the more boxes that we sell, the more classes we're able to provide, right? And single-handedly, we've been able to fund this yoga program for the after-school program with, um, with LA's Best through the sales of, of the box. So that's an example of one I was intimately involved in and helped set up in the beginning. And fledgling was a critical piece in helping us find LA's best. And it's uh, it's the DNA of the brand. It's who we are. And it's not something that will ever go away. I love it. I love it Me so too. much. It's like, I'm really inspired right now. Me too. This is how I felt after I talked to this guy. And that's why I'm like, this needs to be more than just an individual conversation. I have a fun exercise for the three of us to do because Brent, you've really made it clear how anyone can incorporate this into their business not model, not after they've had success, from the minute they start. From the minute they start in business and pursue for-profit business, they can incorporate this from the beginning. And if you haven't done that, you should consider incorporating it right away. So I want to make this super clear to people how easy it is. 
and it and, and in ways that don't always involve a lot of money. So what I thought we could do, I wasn't prepared to do this because I just got this crazy idea. I'm literally going to pull up our podcast in iTunes. Okay, here we go. Brand therapy. And I'm going <laughs> right, to pull ra- at random, and it won't just be, you guys can do this too. I want to look at our past guests by job title, and I think we should creatively brainstorm something that that person could do to give back. What do we think? Do you guys like this idea? I love it. Let's do it. Okay. Getting crazy. Okay. So I'll pull the first one and then Lauren, you can pull the next one. And then whoever gets the idea first, just chime in with the idea. The first one, episode 27, we spoke to a mommy blogger who wanted to change her brand. So what could a mommy blogger do to give back? Okay, so uh, mommy bloggers can give back in multiple ways. Work from home moms are a so so social entrepreneurship doesn't start necessarily with that doesn't have to be a Tom's buy one give one. It can be how you treat your employees. It could be how you structure your company to make it an amazing workplace. So first thing that comes to mind is uh, creating a uh, a space as a mommy blogger if you're big enough where your content producers and uh, are all full time moms and part time workers, right? and giving them the ability to work remote, flexible, and live a life to both raise their family and contribute. That's one way internally to be socially conscious. Externally, another way could be to utilize their content to shine light on um, uh, nonprofit organizations that need their attention. So maybe giving some of the remnant advertising space to nonprofits that need their attention to, to raise funds. Or, um, depending upon their um, their actual... A lot of these money bloggers make money off of like CPA campaigns. They could take a, like, say they get $10 per sale for something that they promote per item or something like that. Take a portion of that, a dollar, and donate it to an orphan fund or some sort of, like, the Boys and Girls Club or some sort of organization that helps, okay, single mothers organization, uh, something along those lines. So that's top of mind kind of riffing how I would how I would think about it in 30 seconds or less. I love it. <laughs> and to build on that idea, we often talk about, like, with content planning, like assigning content topics on your Instagram. So looking at your feed in two rows of three, um, you, you know, if you want to hear more on that, you can listen to a past episode. But for example, through just through content, not even through spending money, but your time and your platform, you could dedicate one of those content types to non-for-profits, letting people know about what exists and not just the obvious ones we we all know about as a reminder, but maybe some that are smaller and and need a lot of help where a single dollar or 10 bucks donation, it like makes a huge difference. That's one that they can And do. the key here, Phil, is, is thinking about it, not just in terms of marketing once and doing a campaign, it's integrating it into how you operate and do your business. So if, that's a great, brilliant idea. If a mommy blogger were to do that, my suggestion would be to authentically do that so customers and, and followers um, and people who are of a readership, they can know what to expect every time in that area. And it's part of the brand experience always. Beautiful. That example, I think, applies to a lot of the guests we have. Lauren, we'll continue this brainstorm on what people could do in, in the last part of this show just to be respectful of brand's time. But wow. Wow, how actionable has this conversation been? Thank you so much, Brent, for this. I'm all jazzed up. Well, thank you guys for the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, this is this is um, something clearly I'm passionate about. But I, I think what you know, I'd want to leave your, your listeners with is just understanding that it, it starts with small steps. And 
if you are passionate and authentic about wanting to integrate this in and just don't know where to get started and need some kind of help, Pledgling, uh, Pledgling.com is going to be your fastest, quickest way to do it. They're just a great group of people, extremely passionate about this. I've used them personally for my businesses, and it really kind of takes the scary out of the cause integration across the board. And, uh, you know, I think it, nothing matters other than just getting started and building it into who you are, how customers and, and the world experiences your brand in a sustainable way, and then making sure it's sustainable, not too much. So that way, you you know, you, you can be tempted to strip it out in the future, but um, then grow the crap out of your business because then so does your social impact. Beautiful. Thank you so much for this, for hanging out with us on Brand Therapy. And how can people find you online or keep in touch with you or keep tabs on you? Where should they go? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. That's kind of the, the, the fastest professional way or they, they can email me. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm totally down for that. I get a ton of emails a day, but I usually respond to them uh, within a week. Uh, it's just Brent at StealthVentureLabs.com. Brent at Stealth venturelabs.com. That's going to be the fastest and quickest way to reach me. And um, if anyone has thoughts or questions or anything around this topic, more than happy to, uh, to chat. Amazing. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for this really inspiring conversation. And we will catch up with you soon. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. next time on Brand Therapy. A key inspiration for me is instilling confidence in women and helping them feel really great in the shapes that they are. Listen, thank you so much for listening to this episode and the four date episodes that came before it. We really appreciate you. We are going to take a quick summer break. Thank you for your patience. And we'll be back better than ever before with some new episodes of Brand Therapy. You're going to love it. See you then.